Alright man, welcome back. I think this is episode number three of the Crow Triple Seven live stream. Uh, of course, Jason's with me while we're on his channel, so he kind of has to be. <laughs> um, a- actually, he runs this whole thing, so he kind of has to be. Um, but anyhow, welcome Jason. Good evening, Crow, and uh, looks like we're starting off with a super chat. Fourteen ninety nine from Rhino says, "Keep crushing and ladling that gravy, man." I put extra peppercorns in it for you guys today. And there it is, man, caliente. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're gonna have a little bit. We're gonna start to utilize some of the things we have at our fingertips a little more. We're gonna play some of the old Crow Triple Seven scope footage and go over it. Uh, the perception that I have now of things is much different, mostly than the perception of when I made those clips. So we handpicked, I don't know, six or seven that we're going to go through. But we still have some remaining questions that were submitted by subscribers. True to our word, we will cover every single one of them. So I think that's it, unless you've got something, Jason. No, man. Uh, If everybody's interested, we do have the uh, Shoot the Moon soundtrack available on CD, Baby Now, in digital format. Uh, A lot of people have been asking for it, so I got that ready, and it as the bonus tracks, the song you just heard, all three versions are included as the bonus tracks. So if anybody wants to check that out, CD Baby and under the artist name of Crow Triple Seven. Right. There's actually there's been some renewed in, in, interest in uh, Shoot the Moon, um, the movie, the full length movie that covers all the scope work that Jason put together. Uh, Shoot the Moon is available for rental still on. Uh, video on demand live you can find it by shoot the moon jason lingren or probably crow triple seven on vimeo live uh, at some point we're going to put that on disc but we've got to clear uh the film festivals because there's rules apparently like everything else in this world yeah different ones have different rules and we still have a few more we are trying to get in on and if we release it as a hard copy a lot of them just null you right out you can't do it so we're trying to capitalize on that as much as possible because that's that's eyes that would be uh and well, it would be very interesting to get them to see it. Well, we should also point out, if you're a recurring member of Crow777Radio.com, you get everything for free. Um, the T-shirts, all at cost, shoot the moon for free, all that. Um, the recurring membership over there is what lets us know we can survive another year, just to be clear about it. But you want to jump in and knock out the last questions? Yep, we got a few left here. So we have – let me make sure – yeah, here we are. Okay, so this is from Hi. Question one. Hoaxbuster on YouTube had posted a video about the rainbow. I thought it was so interesting. There are many rainbows in mythology, most famously in Norse myths. As a child, I had also read a Japanese origin myth in which the gods Izanagi and Izanami descended to Earth on a rainbow bridge. What are your thoughts on the significance of rainbows and how the symbolism is encoded or used, misused today? Um, I won't touch how it's used today because I just don't think it's helpful to feed that beast. But if we go back to the historical uses and the mythical uses, um, these are critical ideas. Typically in older texts, you'll hear that there's seven colors in the rainbow spectrum. You'll hear other things too, but if you go back far enough, that's pretty much the agreed upon number of how many colors is in a rainbow. For people who pay attention, whenever you see a rainbow, you'll notice that the blue is on the bottom, the red is on the top, which informs us all that blue is the shortest light wave and red is the longest. It's on top because it can be bent the most. Um, These are critical ideas for the simple reason that everything we see depends on that idea. 
um, and it's not an ideal. I'm not provable reality. Um, as an example of this, if we think about looking at a, a leaf on a tree, most of us don't think about it in the way it's happening. What's actually happening is that leaf is reflecting the color green to your eye. And these are critical things to understand for the simple reason that now we've entered the digital age. And it's a far cry, all the monitor and screen color you see from what I just described. In a normal world, in a natural world, that color gets reflected back to your eye. In a digital world, it all gets projected straight at you. Not only that, as I've pointed out so many times, in school you learned that red, green, or red, blue, and yellow were the primaries. Those are no longer the primaries. In the world we live in now, yellow's been swapped out for green. RGB drives all our digital stuff. The main point here is if you take two crayons and take red and blue to make purple, everyone knows that from grade school. But if you take those two colors, red and blue, and a computer, you do not get purple. So there's a lot to this idea, and I laid all that down so you can reframe it in your own mind to think about it. But the Rainbow Bridge, uh, it, it basically it represents all our vision, among other things, uh, from my point of view. What would you add, Jason? Well, we know that uh, that symbol has been used and changed and all that kind of thing today, but we don't need to go into great detail about that. I think everybody's aware that things are being used in ways they weren't traditionally used. But yeah, uh, rainbow symbolism, very heavy in Norse mythology. Uh, a great example is the rainbow bridge that uh, exists between Asgard and Midgard, Midgard being Earth, and Asgard being where the uh, Asgardians live. So, yeah. Well, there's actually from the Bach saga, the idea would be that Asgard was here, um, Odin Ma and all that. And not only that, in the Marvel movies, um, there's new new Asgard, of course, is on Earth. I think that's all encoding ideas about some of the earliest people. But anyhow, what's next? All right. Let me move down the list here. We did all those. I've heard some people say, oh, this is from Brian. I've heard some people saying that the elite want AI and transhumanism so that they can be the gods of this world and live forever. If they really know more than us about this place we call Earth, I'm guessing that they would also know that there's more to existence than this physical world. What's puzzling me is why would they want to stay in this place forever? James True even touched on how miserable of an existence it would be to be all-knowing and immortal in this place. Is it possible that transhumanism is actually a trap for us profane? That they actually want us to make ourselves immortal and trapped on this earth so that we do not ascend to other states of existence or realms? Or is it that they know they will be judged for the atrocities they have performed and are trying to escape judgment by trapping themselves here? Well, I think a couple of those ideas hold water for me. Um, yeah, I, I, am a, I accept all day long that if we go to a transhuman state, you will probably lose your power to ascend to whatever's next, um, or it will be severely hampered. But, you know, if you read old books like The Light of Egypt, there's plenty, not just The Light of Egypt. I just don't recall their titles. There is an idea that as a human being, you can fail the whole game, and this is it. When, you, when you're done here, you're done because of the, the horrendous things, the kind of black heart that you've developed while you're here isn't going to allow you to graduate. So maybe it is possible um, that the people who run this place have done so many heinous acts that they don't feel like they can get out. Misery loves company. These are hard things to know. I don't know how to go about it, but I will state 
Um, I'm not going transhumanism, even at the point of death. If I have to die to not be transhuman, that's what I've decided to do. Um, to me, there's more than this. And to me, um, we live in a perfect body. That body does everything we need. And anything more or man-made is just, you know, that's what's actually profane from my point of view. Uh, while I'm thinking of it, I see David is in the chat room. I've done some preliminary work on the video I took of New Orleans, and guess what, amigo? I can see the Superdome. Quite plain. That's 33.5 miles, right? Yes, quite plain and clear. Whenever you have time, we should dissect that. And I'm going to get more, too. I want to take it on different days and, and compare and contrast and all that stuff. But just the preliminary, uh, just so everybody knows, I live on what's called the North Shore of New Orleans across Lake Pontchartrain. So I'm in the Covington area that looks across Lake Pontchartrain to New Orleans. So I go, I've been going down to a pier, fishing pier, and with uh, t shooting video with my P-1000. And I finally had a really gorgeous clear day last week and got some great footage of New Orleans. And my preliminary assessment is, while some things look like they're cut off, as if they were going over a curve, I can absolutely see the Superdome, which... If I'm doing the math right, uh, Wayne and I actually did it not too long ago, it seems like we shouldn't be. Hey, man, it looks like that rabbit hole guy is, has blown our cover, man. He's um, there he in, knows, in science. Yeah, he, he knows where she um, So what did I, I tell you, I see that Globusters guy, too. What's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, I had calculated for you that you were at 33.5 miles from where you stood on the shore. Um, and I don't recall. Was it like 1,600 feet? Should be 1,600 feet. Do you remember the number I gave you? Below the horizon, the oh. Superdome yeah, I, no, I don't remember what it was, it, but it was the Superdome is less than 300 miles, if I remember correctly. Like it just it's not tall enough to, to work with the um, with the map. I think I think the Superdome was 300 feet and I think that it was at least three times shorter than what I predicted um, the curvature would be. Actually, Dave, Dave, if you're listening, um, what's the fall off of 33.5 miles? Like 16 or 1800 feet. Anyhow, it's it's almost three times more than the height of the Superdome. You should not be able to see the Superdome for where you were. And someone's asking me if I can see the levee on the South Shore. Yes, I believe I can. Um, the haziness is is better and worse on some days. On the one I got that was pretty clear, I I started pulling up pictures of the shoreline, of the skyline. I guess I should say from my side that uh, what I could find and start comparing it to my video and start matching up the buildings and things. And man, it just, whew, it just seems like I can see further than I should be able to or see things I shouldn't be able to. So I'm going to keep doing that because I want to present my own evidence. I want to make my own contributions to this great big mess that we live in and see if we can't figure things out and yeah, not just talk about it, but actually contribute to it. We can see too far. It's funny because Alex Michael in in the show he did with this, and he's introducing the band. One of the band members is making fun of me. <laughs> he says, "We can see too far." Um, but anyhow, we better stick to the straight and narrow if we're going to get through this and get some video in. All right. Next up is from Charles. I watched a few videos on the white Japanese samurais of old, also known as the Last of the Samurai. The, the Tom Cruise movie of same name might be giving us half-truths. The video claimed that many of the samurai uh, were white and of more Russian lineage. It shows a photo of an old white guy in a temple in Japan claiming he is the last true samurai, according to the video. 
This video also claims much of the ancient architecture in Japan was similar to Russian architecture of the same period. Carpet bomb a country and remove any evidence? Are you familiar with any of this? Yeah, um, not not enough to say certainly. Um, but what I can say is on the face of it, we can see the Japanese is one of those strange places, tiny little nation. And you got to remember at one point, Japan tried to march over China and damn near did it. Um, according to the history we're handed. But the point I'm making is the world shakes out to a few world powers, and Japan is always among those. Why? Why is that? Um, it's a tiny little nation, um, and it's protected in certain ways, all those UNESCO sites protecting. But I just recently, uh, what's the name of the town? I can't think of it. Asuka, maybe? A-S-U-K-A. Uh, I don't know if I've got that right. I might not have that right. Uh, all these megalithic things that are supposed to precede, um, I'm, I'm talking massive carved rock, precision carved rock, that are supposed to precede anyone's ability to do that. So it's pretty clear, like the rest of the world, there's a history we know nothing about. But everyone should understand that Japan is a unique place because it will be among the masters of the universe with China, with Russia, with the United States, or basically white Europeans. Um, you know, there's a select bunch of nations in this world that have been given the, the, the high seat at the table. I see we have uh, 103 people on DLive. This is building up pretty quickly. I'm going to let them know as such in the chat in case uh, in case they don't catch that. But that's, that's awesome. We only had like 18 people and then 20-some people. What a, Go what a great name. Go yeah, Eric. Eric just gave us a super chat. Is that Eric Dulion? That's a great he's, name. He's a local cat. That, I haven't right? met him yet, but yeah, he lives in uh, I forget where he said was it Gonzales or, or Metairie. He's he's one of the local folks. He says I am from La oh there we go. I am from Laplace, Louisiana, uh, which is twenty five miles away from New Orleans, and I could see the Superdome from the camp I went to as a kid on the shore of Lake Pontchartrain. Tooth. Thank you for the ten dollars, Eric. Yeah, um, I'm gonna keep doing this, and I'm going to get as much data as I can possibly collect. Also, I had an idea today while I was crossing the bridge to take Rose to the airport that uh, maybe if David and or Jaren are up for it, could we possibly do the boat thing on Lake, Lake Pontchartrain where someone goes out in a boat and we have our cameras and try and do the distance thing and calculate all that out? Maybe that could be a fun, fun but uh, scientifically relevant thing to do. That's challenging, um, particularly where you are, because in the warmer months, there's going to be a lot of humidity, which messes with your visibility. So if you do that, you probably want a time when the water temperature is close to the air temperature. But anyhow, let's keep moving down. How, how many questions do we have left? Oh, we've got one, two, three, four, five. All right. Let's see if we can finish off the last of those so we can get some video in. All right. What do you guys think of electron microscopy? Has it been accurately described? Is it even possible to abstract the conclusions which dogmatic science draws from this process, assuming it has been accurately described? Well, this is the thing that leads to problems, um, like viruses. It was one of my first clues that they should be imaged all day long, and when I started taking apart the images, it was all CGI. Um, a few years ago, when I started making a stink about this, I've seen better versions of images, but then we had Dr. Franco Lina on. So the point I'm trying to make is I use the idea of electron microscopes to say viruses don't exist as they're described. Some years later, we have Dr. Franco Lina, who is also familiar with the Germans' cutting-edge work, to tell you, in fact, 
viruses do not exist as described. So much for coronavirus. Um, <laughs> it's better described as an electromagnetic vampire. So what it, what was basically stated is that when the conditions of low energy are correct in the human being, the vampirism, the energy-sucking vampirism is automatically attracted to you like a magnet. Um, and I know that doesn't exactly address where you're going, but I haven't per se taken on electron microscopes. But if we take them at their word, there's all kinds of things that should be imaged um, that are regularly CGI. Right. Yep, I'm totally with you there. It's hard to say because you have to have a lot of money to be able to access those things in the first place. Yeah, you got to be in a university and in the top tier and the lead professors, you know, helper and all these kinds of things to get access to most of these things. Right. Next question. A few shows ago, the point was made about the missing nine months from birth. Do you have any ideas if this would apply to the sky clock as well as in regard to star signs for each individual? Someone may be living their life as a Virgo when in actual fact they may be an Aries, as an example. Also, I was born premature, so should I be using the sign at predicted birth, actual birth, or conception date? You guys had a brief look at royal birthdays and the idea of moon children. Any plans on going further into that? Maybe, but um, what you've done is prove that you're a thinking human being, but let me see if I can put some common sense framework around it. Um, The way we work right now, there are certain things about it that I accept all day long. One of those things is that when a baby is born, that first breath is when the spirit enters the child. So that's a special moment. So you're going to mark the sky clock at that moment. From my point of view, not any old sky clock. Someone walks their butt outside, looks up to see exactly what's there. They do not calculate because of procession of the equinoxes to some other supposed time. That moment is important. But what you're pointing out is what's been overlooked all this time. Clearly, if the divine spark or the ensoulment of the new being is occurring at the zygote, then that is also an important part to mark. The problem is, is we don't have a tradition to rely on because that nine months has been forgotten for so long. Um, But clearly there's there's something that needs to be recognized there. Um, I think people like Athen Kamenti, people who are doing tropical astrology, people who are doing sidereal, which I prefer, but I'll be, I'll be square with you. I learned all my chops, um, not that I have that many in astrology, but I learned them all in tropical. So I'm not trying to bag on tropical people. I'm just saying that is my point of view. You should go with the sky you visibly see above your head. That's my point of view. Point is, is we need to work out what is it exactly that we, we would be marking. If I had to render a guess, and this is an educated guess, we're talking about the ensoulment or the soul going into the zygote at that point, and that's my best guess. So clearly an important time to mark, but there's so much we don't know. We've forgotten so much, it's just going to take us a long time to get our sea legs back to make a terrible pun. Right. Commercial sound and video, thank you for the $5 super chat. He says, hi, Jason. I'm the longest active Southeastern install affiliate for Guitar Center. Cheers. If we haven't met, uh, we should. You should email me at secretsofsaturn at gmail.com because I want to meet everybody in this area. Uh, Eric, you too, and anyone else who happens to be in this area. I want to get another little get-together either in Covington or New Orleans, wherever everybody wants to agree on. So we should should work on chit-chatting. But all right, next question is from Brandon. 
I've been looking into stuff since, like, 2012, going down lots of rabbit holes and trying to figure out this dark force of control that seems to be attempting to envelop the world and is evidently orchestrating mass human sacrifice events. I have struggled to figure out how far it goes back as I keep getting hung up on Zionism and groups that seem to want to bring about events to fulfill religion-related prophecy. Since these groups have studied human behavior extensively and plan over hundreds of years, it has been difficult for me to put everything in context. I know that it's complicated, but ultimately, what or who do you think we are looking at as far as who or what the controllers are? Is this ultimately a spiritual battle? Well, yeah, man, human beings are spiritual, um, so I don't think there's any separating it. And if you asked anybody who was doing a black mass somewhere, if that was a religious endeavor, most people would say yes. So I think that part of it's a foregone conclusion. But you opened up there with the idea of mass sacrifice. I would offer my point of view to you that most of that is simulated. In other words, if you get a million minds to believe a mass sacrifice happened, then you run with the energy created. I'm not saying death doesn't occur, but I'm saying mass death in the way that it's portrayed most of the time is a hoax. Uh, but to get back to the point, um, I'm almost ready to start putting together an episode that shows how early on the Vatican had the black arts um, enter the back door and then uh, during the renaissance became mainstream it's evidence and all the all that renaissance art we've all been convinced is so fantastic um what what i will show is evidenced in all that art uh, it's a far departure from the idea of what the vatican was supposed to be doing and the religion it was supposed to be promoting um it's polar opposite actually but this all goes back to babylon and it all goes back to the capturing of the jews uh, there seems to be a schism, a split from what the original Judaism was and what happened after they came out of Babylon. And after that, as far as I can tell, rabbis and scribes who had been sucked over to the dark side slowly but surely changed the rules over the, over the years. And this is all tied together to the oldest oligarchical families. Not only did it go into the Vatican pre-Renaissance, and then it was in the light of day during the Renaissance and after. And well, right now we have Francis. It's as in the light of the day as it can be. Um, you're going to have the Catholic Church say gay marriage is okay. Historically, that's not okay for the Catholic Church. They were polar opposite of that. Things like this. You can see the shift. But what happened was it wasn't just the Vatican. There were sects that no one would expect to be in the Vatican, like Judaism, like Hermeticism, and it affected all the royals too. It's almost like some dark force took it over and forced its way through every back door of power in Europe. That's almost what it's like. Yeah, I'm kind of of the belief. Well, I don't even want to use the word belief. I'm of the mind that it's dark, negative spirituality. Uh, that doesn't necessarily get ascribed, should be ascribed to any re personal religious belief. I just think that there is some seriously dark stuff going on, and um, the bad guys, elites of this world, they know a bit more about it than we do. By the way, Mark, well, there's... Mark W., thank you for the one-pound super chat. Hello to you, sir. Thank you. Nice. Um, I can actually demonstrate names of high-ranking people in the Vatican uh, running into the uh, the Renaissance, um, and they're writing documents all about Hermeticism. How many people know the Hermetic document Pymander? That's, I think, 3rd century A.D., as they date it. Um, that was done by the Vatican. What, the guy who actually transcribed it into Latin 
um, so people in the West could start to read it, is one of the guys who is making the distinction. There's this thing called white magic, which is basically natural magic, and it's fine for us here at the Vatican to do that because natural magic supports our mission to further Christianity. But there's this other thing called black magic, and that has to do with demons, and that's not okay. Then I can turn around and show you that they used both all the way up to the Renaissance and right out the other side. So, you know, if I was going to go to Hollywood, I might not just say London has fallen. I might add that the Vatican fell first. Yeah, and that very well. Uh, well, I think that's likely. But anyway, let's keep moving along here. Yep. Where are we at here? All right, Crow Triple Seven, what do you think of channeling? And have you come across Cryon channeled by Lee Carroll? And if so, what are your thoughts? If not on Cryon, what about the other channels that are currently channeling and going back to those such as Seth? Is this all part of the New Age drive to hurt people in a certain direction? Along the same vein, people talk about the Demiurge and False Light and that these entities are trying to lead us into the direction they want us to take. What are your thoughts? I'm not big into channeling. Um, I want to be in control of my own mind and my own presence. Um, I don't idea. know... Yeah, I don't know that much about it, but that's why I don't know that much about it. I learned a long time ago in life, you can't unsee something. And for young people, that's a big problem because, you know, what they what they get intrigued by gets the best of them. See, I'm older now and I don't fall for that trap. I think about it. Do I really want to know this? Do I really want to see this? And the amount of research I do, you can ask Jason how many things I just refuse to look at because I don't want to know. Like the whole black magic. I know what's going on, but I don't want to know the nuts and bolts of that. Um, I'm not interested in it. Um, why would I want to know that? So, you know, I saw Chiron's channel. He had some interesting content, but for channeling, I don't know what to tell. I don't have any experience with it, and I never will. It's not something that I'll be involved with. I do. I've seen it. There is something to it. If you actually are tapping into some sort of spiritual entities, I've seen some pretty, pretty dark stuff, to be honest, but uh, it's not something I really want to go into very much. I have with people personally, one to one kind of thing, but there's something to it. And be careful what you are doing and what doors you open, because you just don't know what might be on the other side. And uh, I, when I was young, I did. I'm, I've always been very brazen. And when I was younger, I wasn't always it, not that that ever harmed me, but I saw people get into some trouble that they shouldn't have just because we were all like, oh, let's do this. And that wasn't very good for them. So anyway, moving on. Be careful what you do. That's what I'll leave you with. Matt from Idaho. Can we hope to see Dave J on a future episode? Um, I haven't talked with Dave J in a while. Um, he stepped back from the Internet. Um he was one of the early people who could see without the glasses. But things and, got uh, to him, didn't it? Well, he took a lot of heat for because he didn't pull punches. He's not. I try to moderate my speech to avoid fights because fights don't help anything. He was of a mind that you tell the truth at any cost. And that's from his point of view, that's what he did. Um, we did have him back on Crow 777 Radio a couple years after he hadn't been online I don't know, he'd had 12 or I don't even know, 12, 15 YouTube channels taken out. Uh, he was one of the early, he's actually the man who coined the phrase, nobody died, nobody got hurt. That's the man who did it. Yeah. Actually, he's also the man who coined the phrase modern day book burning. The day my YouTube channel got taken out, he said that. That's where I lifted that from. 
my point is um, is that he had a real life that he went back to and helped real people that I'm aware of. If it comes up and he wanted to do it, um, I would be happy to have him back. But I don't feel like I should be trying to pull him back because it was full battle mode for that guy for a number of years. And he was one of the very few people that I can count that could absolutely see. And there were not that many. There were three, maybe four back then who had any any inkling that were speaking in public. Um, so, yeah, I would love to have Dave J back. But at the same time, I think he stepped back for a reason. Yeah. By the way, if someone, uh, some folks didn't quite get what we were saying, uh, neither one of us is that familiar with the Cryon channel and don't really have much of an opinion specifically on Cryon. Uh, it seems like there is a little bit of confusion uh, on that. I thought they were talking about Chiron or Chiron's last stand. He's spelling it Cryon. I'm not familiar with that. If yeah, well, apparently it's a it. channel that that's the entity they're 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 channeling. Mm, I don't know. I'm not so, interested in channeling. Yeah, not, exactly. Not, that's not, not, that's not for our me. Thing. <laughs> Sorry. I'll hold on to my own mind stream. So, last question: Do you think the firmament is domed or flat? I think what we don't know about the firmament could fill the firmament um, at this point. <laughs> Good way to um, put it. Well, I think we can logically put together to a degree of certainty that there's a hard, fast boundary. I think we can put together that most of the major religions that have been here a long time have a version of what Christianity calls the firmament. I don't consider this questionable, although I do have a plus or minus error there um, because there's so little that we do know about it. Um, what this place looks like is the $64 million question, but I'll tell you one thing. I strongly, strongly suspect we could find actual living human beings living like living human beings if we went due south from anywhere on this world. Any human being anywhere went due south and kept going, you would find, I think, I suspect, actual living human beings living relatively free, not playing this game that we're all playing here. Um, and by the way, it's a bit ironic. I just met some people today from Brazil that speak Portuguese, and they were telling me how fortunate I was to be an American. And from their point of view, most Americans don't appreciate how fortunate they are. And it got me thinking, because how can you deny that point of view? They just came from a place that is clearly, from their point of view, much less free, much less. He told me the car that I just got would cost someone 50 grand down there we did the conversion um i forget what the what the unit the 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 monetary unit was but we did it in american dollars this car that i got i couldn't even afford if i was down there and he Mm -hmm. said it's all very rich or all very poor it's all very corrupt and it got me to thinking um because we're constantly trying to make people aware at the worldwide corruption but here these people came to say you guys don't have it nearly as bad as we did down there um, and it makes you think. Um, I, I just figured I'd point that out because we it's easy for us to get locked in our perception because it's the only one we have. And this is why going to other cultures and meeting other people is one of the most high-minded things I can imagine. Travel, meeting other cultures, meeting other human beings under different religions and conditions. There is no way to become a higher human being that I'm aware of than to do that because it gives you a point of view you can't have otherwise. All right. You ready to move on to some clips? 
but oh we're there okay that was the last one okay well i want to thank everyone who submitted questions we had to ask twice but the second time we asked they came flooding in and um I, to my knowledge, we covered every single one that was submitted, and I'm reasonably sure because Rose was keeping track of that, not me. I tend to lose things. But let's do some clips. We're going to go through some of my old scope footage and just take a look, take a walk down memory lane and, and address what we see now from the point of view that we have now. All right, so the first one we're going to do is satellites do not exist. Well, you seem to have thought that for quite a few years. Uh, we'll see what year this one came out in a moment, because I think you have these all the date on them. Mm, I don't know. I think I just lifted the URLs for you, but they are dated on the channel. If I had to guess, 2015, maybe? 20-something like that. All right, man. Welcome to the Crow Discovery Project. I all wanted right. to get a clip out, talk Everybody a little bit that. about oh, satellites. We're, we're going to have a lag time here, aren't we? You will uh, clips on my channel where I was I still assuming... Like a... That satellite oh, okay, I see it. Like so go ahead and delay or something like that. True thing. Go ahead and click later went um, back in front of all this. Logically deduce yeah, that satellites that's, that's do not exist as do. they are described. We're going to oh, go okay. through well, let, old let clips people hear the old music then. demonstrating what anyone who wants to go out and film coming through the center frame here will see. They're these little black round things for the most All right, so there we go. Sounds like someone's hearing the sound. They're writing thump, thump. I actually put a heartbeat. Oh, so maybe the... Oh, okay, it is playing. All right, I'm actually going to fade that out because it's time for you. Yeah, that was that was back when all the music was getting copywritten, so I made that music myself. Yeah. All right. Um, we got it on each day. So you'll see there's an object coming across center frame, um, and this was a convergence. I'd been filming things for so long, and when I first started, I assumed satellites were real. And as I got going, I began to realize that it's all a shell game. And there was even a point when I would film an object that was within 10 or 15 minutes of a reported satellite. And I would say, yeah, that's probably a satellite. And then I got serious about it and I started looking. So I think the reason that this is important is because back then too many people had not filmed these things. By the way, this all the pink ones are in full spectrum. Um, but now, uh, since so many people have filmed with scopes now, this has been replicated, what you're seeing here, these little objects that look black because they are backlit by the moon. What you're seeing here is I'm using the full spectrum to light up the sky and tracking the object beyond. You can still see the object there. Um, that was one of the benefits of having a full spectrum camera. But the point I'm making here is there are probably thousands of these things over our head every night. The moon takes up half a degree of sky. So think of the odds of me filming anything in half a degree of sky. Um, these may well be what partially functions as a so-called satellite. Um, I can prove, based on the measurements that we did later, that these are all within our atmosphere. Um, they're, I don't know, less than 60 miles away from us. Uh, I think I had think worked out that there was no way they could possibly be more than 60 miles away from us. So possibly what you're looking at here is a lighter-than-air object, which maybe could be described as some kind of a balloon, and they are doing things, uh, maybe things like we're told satellites do. Um, I have other footage from way back where you can actually see things hanging down from what looks to be a balloon. Yeah. Um, but back when I'd shot these, uh, I hadn't worked out all the way. But look at that thing. That thing is tumbling. 
if you look carefully. It's like rotating as it goes. <laughs> this is all the way back with my 8-inch uh, telescope, my first old telescope, and a Canon T2i with 16 megapixels. That skip in the video was because I was taking stills to try to get higher resolution. So watch, you'll see, you'll see this jump because I had to click off a still and it makes the video skip. Here we go. Click. <laughs> and I got a whopping 16 megapixels of resolution for having <laughs> done it. But here, this was shot with a 12-inch Mead that I had to later return. And it was one of the earliest things shot with the 36-megapixel Nikon. Damn good camera. Um, go ahead. The, this one that's coming up in a moment that, that's kind of blurry is that because of the focus difference? By the way, Street Smarts, thank you for the $1 Super Chat. Thank you so much. But there's uh, momentarily coming up. I think there's – got to count this delay so I know a little better. But anyway, I'm kind of curious if the um, the object is a different size or if that's more of a question of – It's closer. closer. It's too yeah. close to be in focus, which tells me that it's probably within less than 10 miles away from me. Um at the time, that's another thing I didn't know at the time. Um, I hadn't worked that out. And then after I went back through footage and saw airplanes that I knew were a good six, seven miles away that were not in focus, I began to put all this together. Um, and here's another thing. I can focus on the moon, which we're told is a quarter of a million miles away, and I can swing over to Jupiter, which is something like 800 million miles there, I forget how many millions of miles away they claim it is. And I don't have to change the focus one bit. Hmm. There's the object off the left using the full spectrum. Uh, it disappeared. But um, we can move on from there, Jason. I think these are all similarly the same. All right, next we're going to do the very entertaining Pluto clip. That the, the Pluto clip we're about to play brought the biggest attack on <laughs> yeah. Pro Triple Seven in the history of attacks, and it stands to this, this day. Yeah. And I wasn't wrong, so all those people who attacked me can go eat raw fish sticks. <laughs> I like fish sticks. Kanye likes fish sticks. He's a genius. He's an oracle of our time. <laughs> voice of a generation sure he is yeah we put there's the picture uh, uh, mentally the challenged painting. people this this picture always cracks me up this Pluto one that you're about to see in a moment I remember like if you compare that to the quote unquote artist rendering made in the I believe the 70s it's basically the same thing there's there's very little been changed like this looks ridiculous hey there was there was the truth about rockets in an animation <laughs> so take a good look at that folks now that uh, yeah so thinking. here's the thing man how many people watching this right now look at that and consider that that could actually be a snapshot of a planet is there anyone at this level of kind of awakening who cannot see that that was made in freaking Lightwave or some other 3D program? I mean, it's not even really questionable. Your inside barometer should instantly tell you that this image being passed off as a snapshot is fraud. Um, it's not a snapshot of anything. And they will try to tell you after they get called out on it that it was made from data and all these other things. But here's what I'm going to do. 
This is a picture I took of the moon. And by the way, the focus isn't perfect. See that little guide to the right? I put that there because I'm going to manipulate this image that I shot. So I know this isn't fake. That's a real picture of the moon shot with a real camera. And there's the guide that I laid down right on the right. And you'll see what I do here and why the guide matters. And then you'll see what I do to Pluto to prove to everyone that it is complete fraud. In-your-face fraud. Actually, maybe I should be listening to the audio. I don't know how long all this is going to last. <laughs> why am I so slow? I could have already gone to levels. <laughs> I'm, well, I can crank this up if you want to hear it. Go ahead. All right, so it's coming through for the folks. Let me make it through the monitors so we can all hear it. And that guide was meant to show you where the edge of the moon is. Okay, there I'm going to levels. So this is a simple Photoshop thing. I inverted the color. Now I'm going to levels, and I'm just going to pull the levels and the level sliders all the way over. You can even see that it looks like this image was made in a different orientation and then rotated. But look at all these editing artifacts. There is no portion no, okay. of this it's image the sound that has not been edited. So what I'm showing you here on an image that I took that I know is authentic is you see the sharp edge of the moon with the levels and even on the other side where the shadow would be, this is Pluto. Now watch how I get there. I go in and I'm going to invert the color like that and then I jack the levels. There is not a single pixel of this that is not fraudulent. And you see the sharp lines? That tells you that they made it in a different orientation, and after they were done fraudulently making this fake Pluto image, they rotated it on the canvas to match. Um, this is proof beyond doubt that this is a fraud. I mean, it's not arguable on any level. If this had to go to court, it would not hold up. But See where the line is on my image, how all the lines are sharp. There's no artifacts off to the right. Watch when we go back to Pluto. There will be no sharp edge. It'll be all fraudulent artifacts. And by the way, I'm going to show you a so-called space rock in a minute that proves beyond doubt the fraud that these people are engaged in. And I know this because I've been using Photoshop since before it was called Photoshop. There it is. That is. You're told that's a space rock. Why is it blurry? Why is it that NASA can't ever possibly take a picture? I'll show you right now um, because I have skill with images. I'm actually a digital image expert, believe it or not, because of some of the jobs I've had. I've inverted the color. Now you see all those little specks? That's all the, the sawtooth artifacts that you should see. But what they did is they ran a blur filter. You see the sawtooth? Art that's how it looks. The artifacts, they're sawtooth. But on the space rock, when I get back to it, they ran a blur filter. That's why everything is it's provable. I actually replicated it um, to prove that's what they did here. So they made up a fake picture of a rock, and then it was so pixelated and sawtooth from all their editing, they ran a blur filter over it. Unreal, man. This is provable fraud. All of it. You've got some really nice pixelization coming up here. Yes, indeed. This is some serious stuff. So this, you see all that red and black? Oh, I'm going to actually show you. Okay, this is, this is, I took their fraudulent Pluto image. And what I'm doing here is all that 
artifacts from editing, I'm punching out a few colors. The reason I'm doing it is I'm going to make it look like the space rock to prove to you that they ran a blur filter. Now, when you look at that, all the artifacts are sawtooth, as they should be. The only way they will quit being sawtooth is if you run a blur filter. There it is. I just ran the blur filter about 15 or 20 times. That's what they did on the other image, and I just proved it with their own fake Pluto image. This is beyond deniability what's gone on here. All those little blobs are sawtooth edit artifacts that were had a blur filter run over them, but they weren't smart enough to figure someone might not look at it in this view and actually know what they were doing like I did. There it is, man. What what happened with this clip when I posted it was Gizmodo um, picked it up and started defaming me. Then the Daily Mail in the UK did it, and just hundreds of thousands of attacks came in. And then Newsweek showed up to interview me twice around this. Um, and the man from Newsweek, Max Kruger or something like that, he was fair, totally a fair interview he gave me. Uh, and I know why, because he saw this evidence and he understood that I wasn't wrong. You know, uh, NASA and the other whomever in the space agencies, they're, they're getting wise to some of this stuff. For instance, uh, if you go way back when, um, uh, who's, the, who's the fellow that we, we both chatted with? Uh, Jay Widener was initially taking the Apollo stuff and jacking the levels and finding things that should not be there. They've since gone back and scrubbed it. I think a lot of people are aware of this now. But they got wise, and the, the, the uh, Apollo stuff that's uploaded these days has been touched up quite nicely. Uh, I remember right. a, about a year, maybe two years ago by now, we were talking about this on the phone the one day, and I went hunting around and found an old uh, I think is I think it was the what do they call it the, the Earthrise shot like one of the famous ones Earthrise over over the moon yeah very like very huge close up on the astronaut like like gorgeous shot so good that it's unrealistic and I, I it was one of the old ones because I jacked the levels and lo and behold the it's Earth was a square marked. the Earth and was a square size. Boonk, right yeah. put right in there yep. The, the earth is a square because it was cropped out with scissors in those days and pasted in to make the image. But what's worse is the earth is the wrong size. They made the earth. See, when we look at the moon, if we accept NASA's distances, which I don't, if you were standing on the moon, the earth would be three or four times bigger than in the picture they provided. Some idiot who made that image made the Earth the same size as the moon, as if we were on Earth looking at the moon. <laughs> anyhow, it's all fraud. And by the way, they downloaded all those pictures, faked the timestamps to make them seem the same, and they did touch-ups on all of it. Because I had all those images. I, I lost them. I didn't, I didn't expect to lose hard drives. But I had all that stuff. I could have proved the fraud. Makes me wonder now why I lost those hard drives. But anyhow. So what I could possibly suggest is uh, if anybody's really good at using the Wayback Machine technology, you might be able to find them out there somewhere still sitting mm -hmm. on the server. Good idea. If anyone knows Wayback Machine good, or a good caching, yeah, you might be able to look for Earthrise over the moon because all you got to do is open it in Photoshop and jack levels and you'll see a square hole where the Earth is sitting. Yeah, if you look at the exact same the one on all the current uploads, it's gone. Yep. <laughs> they had fun with the blur tool or whatever it is they use. 
All right. And they got a digital artist in there to clean up their little laziness. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of that nasty little square. I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna do a little touch up of these corners. We're gonna do a little blending right here in the black. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna blend the black. Well, it's still it's still even that they did that's not a problem because you can put it in an image. Um, what do they call those tools? Forensic image um, analyzer, and it'll tell you that it's been edited. Well, for all we know, they went back to the original stuff. And doesn't just, matter. And someone knew... had, yeah, someone had to digitally um, do that. It doesn't matter. I don't think. Um, I, I can't imagine a way that the forensics tool wouldn't be able to because it, it takes pixel values. So I mean, it would have to be so perfect. I just don't see an easy way to do that. Uh, no, what I mean is maybe, however, they originally created it. Like back in the day, Photoshop was cutting and pasting and taking new pictures. So perhaps there was enough stuff there that they could go back and make new images out of out of the original stuff, and that's why they look so damn good too. Just just theorizing here, but they certainly did something. All right, let's move on to the Moon Vortex. So what's the Moon Vortex about? So, so this, this yeah, this is this is an interesting clip because all these years later, we were at NYC doing Shoot the Moon NYC. And on that big 12-foot wide screen, I noticed for the first time on a small screen, I thought it was a star okay, that was moving because I was panning um, and zooming. On the 12-foot wide screen, I realized so what um, I did this, is I this clip needs to be re-edited because I think I actually captured the vehicle that made the vortex, or at least that's possible. So what you're going to see so here I'm gonna is my wife and I set up two systems, a visual spectrum, long honking telephoto with a doubler on it in, uh, in visual, and, UV and then on the telescope, we put a full spectrum the camera. Time, it's very the full small. spectrum camera on the telescope filmed a here vortex, and the visual spectrum right, couldn't zoom see in it. A couple times, so that's and then what I'm we're going to look at here. Um, so but if you pay attention, again. I don't know how edited this is. Off to the right, there's a little light that looks like a star. I'm reasonably sure it's actually not a star, since I saw it on the 12-foot screen. And I need to go back and re-edit this, so we'll see. But here it comes. So here we go. This is the uh, the frames pulled out. So with, you're going to uh, look right above the moon. I think I actually, yeah, there you go. So watch carefully. So there was a little flash that my wife actually filmed this and saw that, believe it or not, and kept the clip. That zoomed in a little bit. What you're looking at is visual and full spectrum only, and it's like a tornado. It's a vortex. Um, but like I mentioned before, off to the right, when it's not zoomed in like that, there's a little dot of light moving away that I had never really realized was not a star until I saw it on the hefty big screen. This is actually, if this was provably caused by some kind of a vehicle, it really tells you something. This is total zoom, total slow-mo, but what you're looking at is basically a tornado shape forming out of nothing and then disappearing just as quickly like exhaust from some crazy vehicle. Something going to warp drive. Hard to know. <laughs> but if I am correct, um, and that little dot of light that I finally noticed on the 12-foot screen is in fact the cause of it, um, I think we could say this was caused by uh, man-made tech. Yeah, uh, a lot of it certainly seems to be. And of course, you've uh, a lot of these are old, so you've done work all the way through 
the majority of your um your viewings here you're you're shooting everything and what you finally came out with once you got the uh the image expert to help you was that these most of these objects who knows about this one this is probably one of the weirdest ones i must say but well actually there's no way that uh these things could possibly be that has to be close because that's many times the size of the little dots that we measured that would be three or four times as big as the supposed ISS. That would be, I don't know, 20 times. Look how big that is. That's not five pixels across. That's more like 20 pixels across. So that has to be not that far from us. Well, hypothetically, I mean, if it's maybe it's outside of what we understand things to be. I mean, we, we just don't know. That's that is probably one of the oddest things that you've done. Well, if we're to look at the double sun footage, I think, you know, that other sun that's not quite in focus and is slightly looks different at the edge, that might be on the other side of the barrier. Either that or it's a reflection off the barrier. But what's up next? All right. We've got the orb that's hovering. Oh, this one was crazy. Um, my wife got up like an hour before I did one morning and spotted this thing in the sky and put a camera on it. By the time I got up, uh, I got a telescope on it, but this is basically an orb as they are chemtrailing the living crap out of everywhere. As a matter of fact, it eventually gets covered by chem debris because they're chemming so hard. But this orb, and you'll see, I did forensic um, detail work on it so you can see all the weirdness that, that the orb is. Uh, it was there for, I don't know, 7 o'clock in the morning till damn near noon. Um, crazy. Just crazy. We had to quit filming it because the chem debris finally covered it. But um, we came to understand these orbs. We never saw an orb when there wasn't chemtrails. So this is probably no exception. But if this is what we used to call an orb, um, it's the closest view we ever got of one. Because I did get a telescope on it with my good camera. So I was able to take stills, and you'll see I did forensic work to try to show all the detail and the kind of architecture, if that's even the right way to describe it, of the orb. You can ignore all that. All that doesn't exist anymore. Oh. All those articles I wrote were removed. <laughs> big surprise. Yeah, big surprise. I covered that China in 2008 had a weather modification bureau that caused a blizzard. That's no longer online. <laughs> I got that job at the examiner. And by the way, they hired me on the first try. I couldn't believe it. Everyone kept telling me you'll never get hired on the first try. I got hired on the first try. And my whole goal was to see if I could actually report real news. Um, catch 22. And by the way, you can't report real news. It's impossible. You should tell that so, story. So here's Orion in the big circle and the fake, what I consider to be the fake Comet Lovejoy. This is when comets all started turning green <laughs> for some reason. Hey, it's Comet. It's turning blue. Um, but you'll see a zoom of this in a minute. I think I zoom in to show Comet Lovejoy. It's just a green smudge. Comets were never green historically, just so people know. I'll show, I guess they showed it at the end. So here's the early effects of chemtrailing. You see the chemtrail right down the middle? All that debris is from chemtrails. And you'll see there's going to be a little orb at the bottom in all this mess. And it's not a little orb, by the way. It's actually quite a sizable orb. 
This is in Lemon Grove in San Diego. You can see the sun's already blotted out from the sky because they're spraying on the ecliptic. Where is it? I'm trying to see. On one of these, it's near the bottom of the cloud deck. There's an orb sitting. I'll zoom in on it in a second. You'll be able to see it. But look at that. That is all chem debris. That's how they used to do it in San Diego nonstop. Okay, I'm starting to zoom in. I still don't see the orb, though. Oh, there it is. No? Too bad we can't click forward on these clips, man. All right, there it is. It. All right, so this is what my wife was shooting before I got up. You can see there's less chem debris. So she only had the Canon T2i, which was only 16 megapixels. Now here I come with the 36 megapixel Canon with a honking telephoto and a doubler. And there's the orb. But that's only part. Of, that's completely untouched. Wait till I get the forensics tools on it. It is the strangest looking thing. It's actually glowing two different colors. I think it was there from about 6.30 or 7 in the morning till damn near almost noon when the chemtrails got so thick we couldn't see it anymore. Look at that. It's got like two nipples on the right side that were glowing. I think this is where I took a number of shots and I, yeah, this is a number of shots back to back to show that it was morphing. Now, haven't you said, and most people have been saying that these orbs aren't really seen that much anymore? Uh, I haven't seen an orb in years. Used to be anytime there was heavy chemtrailing, if you looked hard enough, you could find them. Then it got a little more difficult, and then it became near impossible to spot them. After I shot the shooting orb was one of the last times we, we easily shot orbs. We saw those with our eyes. But you can see this thing's morphing. I mean, what is it? It looks like a ball of plasma, and it looks like it's emanating its own light. So there's actual video through the 36 megapixel camera with a telephoto. I use the telephoto because the lens is so good on it. Can you imagine that? That thing sat there for hours watching the chemtrails or whatever it does, whyever it's there. No, it's not a helium balloon. Um, it didn't move. It was fixed in the position it was in. We even started to realize, you know, could this be anchored to the ground? So we did some things to demonstrate to ourselves it wasn't anchored to the ground. As a matter of fact, I think my wife actually drove up on the freeway and headed that way. Um, but it, you could see a rope. We'd done a few things to see a rope or something, but you see the wind was blowing. So even if it was on a rope, it should have, you know, swayed. It seems to be just free floating and staying in the same place. Clint Richardson. Hello. He's asking, are the orbs spraying? Because sometimes it seems like the planes are fake and cover for the orbs, which are spraying. Well, we've hypothesized about that. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. You know, I've got picture of an orb shooting into a chemtrail. Um, I've got other pictures of things that look like balloons that are outgassing. But this thing, 
this is one of the most amazing things because it was so clearly visible with a naked eye. Um, and yet it makes you wonder, why didn't all kinds of people see this and film it? Um, but it just stayed in the same spot. I have no idea what it was doing, but I know that it's associated with chemtrails. Wayne says that the shape is consistent with saucer designs from the Project Winterhaven proposal. What's weird is the top glowed blue and the bottom glowed kind of yellowy orange. And then on the right, there was like these two lit nipples, like they were emanating glowing light. Um, it's just the whole thing. Everything about this is just weird, man. It's weird that this could happen in broad daylight and nobody bothers to look up, I guess. I mean, how could it be that my wife and I were the only people who got footage of this? All right. Well, that's... here we go. Here's here's the only. I'm even make fun of it here. Comets were never green, just so everyone knows. Now they're all freaking green. Um, there's fraud going on here. Maybe I don't know. Much gamma rays. Yeah, exactly. They got too <laughs> close to the kryptonite. So watch this. There's Orion, and I took a full full frame shot. I'll zoom in here, and I'll show you what supposed comet Lovejoy looks like. I don't know how they're faking these things or whether they're just lying about what they are, but there's something fraudulent about all this. We need better video controls, man. Yeah, this something to this work crow on. dude is slow. Well, you know he's an old guy. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> he still knows dirt that's not older than he is. Wayne says the glow is also consistent with Winter Haven. Well, maybe that's something we can look into. Look, in the center of the frame, you're going to see a green, that little green blurry dot is Comet Lovejoy. I kid you not. Hmm. Comets are not green. Historically, comets were white, maybe with a little blue, occasionally with a hint of yellow. Doesn't green imply copper if it's burning? I forget which firework makes green. Anyhow, we can go on to the next one. Well, we're actually past time, so we can save those for next week. All right. Um, cool. Well, how many people joined us tonight? 350 or something like that? It got up into the 375, I think, was the highest number I saw, something like that. So a little little more each week, which is How awesome. we do on deal? Oh, uh, Owen Benjamin asked me to come on Monday. Um, I told him we're interested in driving more traffic over to DLive, away from Censorship Alley where we exist now. Um, <laughs> it's possible I'll be doing a live stream with Owen. Uh, I don't know. He asked. He hasn't answered me back. Um, but if he does ask me to go on tomorrow, I'll, I'm happy to do it. If there's any bears that are talking with Owen, tell him that Crow's happy to come on tomorrow, Monday. Um, but I want to thank you guys all for coming. Thanks for all the people that donated. And by the way, that's the coolest name if I'm saying it, Eric Dulion. Um, I'm not very good at French, but it seems like that should be the right way. Well, you um, should come visit me here, and you'll see lots of Frenchy stuff. Well, I, you know, the first time I ever went was with my nephew on that 8,000-mile trip. He wanted to go down Bourbon Street or, you know, <laughs> where all the people pee and throw up. He wanted up. to smell piss and beer? <laughs> well, there was some vampire movie where he had to get a picture in front of something. You know what kids are these days. He, he even wore the right clothes to do it. He made me take a picture of him, but I could not get over how foul that place smelled. And they had washed the whole place oh, they do. with fire yeah. hoses. It doesn't matter. It was unreal, man. But um, 
As long as you stay yeah. away from the bur- from bourbon, the, the rest of the French Quarter is not so bad. Uh, Sergey, thank you for the $1.99 super chat. That is awesome of you to get in last minute here. Thanks so much. Uh, I think DLive is almost all bears predominantly. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So thank you to all of you guys. This is the most I've seen on um, DLive yet. It says 125 right now. So thanks to you guys. And uh, I guess Did we'll we- do some more some more of these next week. Did we lose the rabbit hole, dude? Um, the rabbit I was hole, tell dude. Him. Yeah, deep in the rabbit hole. Let me see if he's still there. I'll check the participants. I don't see him. But anyhow, I was going to tell him uh, the jackass is back at it. There's a code word for Dave. He knows what I'm talking about. Right. Live chat, participants. Oh, he seems to have dropped out. All right. Well, um, I may be doing a live stream with Owen tomorrow. Otherwise, we've got quite a show going. We're, we're around to Aya, right, Jason? That's our next show? Yeah. So we've got a ayahuasca expert because I got so sick of people telling me to take LSD and mushrooms and expand my mind. And I kept saying, that's just getting high. If you want to expand your mind, you got to know what you're doing and you need someone to show you how to. Because here where I grew up, we're pretty good at getting high, but we're not too good at spiritually evolving. Um, so I went out and we found an ayahuasca expert and he'll help shed light on the whole thing. And it's really quite, quite interesting. I've always been fascinated by ayahuasca. My problem is, is that I have done mushrooms and I have done LSD and I'm not sure that because the way I did it, I want to go down that road again. I suppose with a shaman and training, I might consider doing it, but there's no doubt, you know, you, you, you can be aware of things that you will never be aware of any other time in your life. But I maintain there's a difference between getting high and trying to get some spiritual relative value out of a thing. And that's why we got this gentleman. It's an interesting dang show. Anything else, Jason? No, thanks to everybody. Uh, we'll be back this Wednesday, of course, uh, for Secrets of Saturn live stream. Like we've been doing every week with Wayne. And uh, have a great night, everybody. Thank you for showing up. Cheers, man. Be safe out there.
belief is the enemy of knowing.